Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, podcasters. I told you that I would be on in the next couple of days to be a blessing to you. I've been deep diving in the book of Genesis, and boy, have I got a word for you on today. It is going to be a blessing to you. How many of you know that when you're going through a difficult time, that all it takes is a moment of revelation to change your entire circumstances? All it takes is one moment of revelation to provide you with the clarity that you need to get God's vantage point so that you can begin to move with momentum through that season. How many of you know when you're going through a difficult time, all you need is for God to look down upon you with his ever so gracious love, provide you with just one clue. I like to call it a blues clues to be able to bless you so that you can continue on in this fight called life. So today I'm going to be a blessing to you. We're going to be coming out of the book of Genesis, specifically Genesis 50 and verse 20 is what I'll be anchoring on, but I'll build my backdrop from verses fifth. Well, book 50 verses 14 through 21. My backdrop will be built in the book of Genesis chapter 50 verses 14 through 21. But the scripture that I'm going to anchor on for today is chapter 50 verse 20. And again, if I had to title today's topic, it would be called a moment of revelation. I want to say that again. Today's topic is a moment of revelation. And again, I started out by telling you that a moment of revelation can change your whole entire life. I know that I'm right because I can remember a time when I was at church and I was searching for my purpose, trying to figure out what it is that God had called me to do. And I had been searching for that for some time at that point in my life and my point with uh, my walk with God. And it was at a particular time at a certain church that I had visited and God had scripted this thing so perfectly. Let me tell you how he scripted it. I'm at work and one of the guys at work had said, you know, would I come to see him get ordained? And I was like, okay, yeah, I'll come in and see you get ordained. He had worked for me. And I was like, yeah, you know, why wouldn't I come and see you get ordained? You know, I'm a woman of God. I want to uh, see God be a blessing in your life and see, you know, what it is that God's going to do, you know, for this man of God. So I said, of course, I'll come. I show up at his ordination. Of course, we have a good time in God, but At that particular place in time, at that hour, God had allowed someone to reveal to me some details of my purpose in that particular season. And I had been searching and searching and searching. And when I say purpose, not my calling and my function and my role of what I'm doing today, operating as a prophet, but more so of what I was supposed to be doing and purposed in that particular season. I had been wondering because I had just came out of a season and, you know, searching, praying and asking God, what am I supposed to be doing right now? What's my purpose? I felt like I was in limbo for so long and I had been searching, praying and searching the scriptures, fasting. And I just felt that I couldn't hear God at that time showed up at an ordination. And how many of you know that sometimes if you are just uh, doing your day-to-day stuff, sometimes you will bump into God. And that's kind of how it happened for me. I had bumped into God. He gave me a moment of revelation through someone else that uh, sent me on a path um, that blessed me um, and changed my destiny. 
And that's what I kind of want to talk about today. And our character that we're talking about is one of my favorite characters in the Bible is Joseph. You know, because Joseph is one of those people in the Bible, for those of you who may not know, who found himself in a situation that he didn't sign up for. And, you know, let's just stop for a minute. There are some things in life that we find ourselves in that we didn't sign up for. We don't get to pick or choose life's lesson. God develops the script, lays it out, and we get to play the roles and the characters inside of the stage play. Am I correct? And he's the puppet master. So with this particular thing with Joseph, Joseph finds himself in a situation that he didn't want to be in. I know I wouldn't have wanted to be in the situation that Joseph was in. And I'll talk a little bit about that as we get ready to do a uh, deep dive into the scriptures. But Joseph's in this situation and he has to figure some things out along the way. He has to uh, employ some particular principles of God along the way if he wanted to see what the end was going to be for him. So today we're going to go deeply into talking about the life of Joseph at a particular point. We won't cover the whole thing. I'll quickly uh go over some details of the beginning points of his life, and then we'll go deeply into 50, which is kind of the tail end of his life, and talk about how he finally gets a moment of revelation that provides clarity for what has happened from the start of what we deem as a tragedy or a, a major life-altering circumstance to where he's at at that point. And when God provides this moment of revelation, it brings a uh, meaning to his life as to why God called him and put him in these situations. So let's, let's go ahead and jump in again. My anchor verse is going to be Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. And my backdrop will be Genesis chapter 50, verses 14 through verses 21. I'm going to go ahead and read the backdrop and then we'll go to our anchor scripture. So verses 14 starts like this. Then Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had accompanied him to his father's funeral. So where we're at in the story is that Joseph was already sold into slavery. He's already had this situation with Potiphar's wife. He's already had the situation with the cupbearer neglecting him and leaving him in prison. He's already had the seven years of famine. He is second in charge in the land, running Potiphar's uh, finances and basically running Egypt. And he's at this point in his life that his father has already found out that he is not dead, but he's yet alive. His brothers know that he's alive and, and they pretty much know exactly what happens. And he's at the place where his father is now passed away and he's went home to bury his father and he's on his way back to Egypt and he has now come into uh, full knowledge and face to face with his brothers. So I'll continue reading. So Joseph returned to Egypt with his brothers and all who had accompanied him and his at his father's funeral. But now that their father was dead, Joseph brothers became afraid. Now Joseph will pay us back for all the evil we did to him, they said. 
So they sent this message to Joseph. Get this, Joseph's back in Egypt. The brothers now know that the father is dead. They've all buried him. That means they all went to the funeral together. They paid their uh, homage to the father. Joseph has departed back to his place of work. The brothers have returned back to where they work. And they are now worried. They are now worried because at the start of the story, if you don't remember the coat of many colors, the brothers are je jealous of um, well, some say jealous, some say it's different uh, uh, descriptions of as to why Joseph's brother sold him into slavery. And I don't want to speculate too much without going into teaching that portion of the scriptures by revelation. So we'll just say that the brothers had some challenges with their little brother and sold him into slavery. We'll leave it right there. So it says, now Joseph will pay us back for all the evil we did to them. So they're basically saying that they're thinking that since the father is now off the scene, that Joseph is now going to stop being nice and he's going to basically pay them back for what they did. Forgive your brothers for the great evil they did. So they're saying that before the father died, he instructed um, Joseph to forgive his brothers for everything they did. So we, the servants of God, of your fathers, beg you to forgive us. So the brothers send word back to Joseph to say, look, before our dad died, you know, he basically said, forgive your brothers. They're basically serving notice of a reminder to Joseph of what the dad said. But they go, anyhow, um, We'll go ahead and be your slaves because they're anticipating that Joseph is going to have a change of heart. But I'm going to continue reading down in verse 17. It says, before your father died, he instructed us to say to you. Forgive your brothers for the great evil they did to you. So we, the servants of God, of your father, beg you to forgive us. When Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. Get that. He receives this message, he breaks down, and he cries. I want you to think about that for a minute, and I'm going to come back, and we're going to talk about him breaking down and crying, and why he could have broke down and cried, and I also want you to think about the character attribute of him crying. Then his brothers came and bowed low before him. We are your slaves, they said, but Joseph told them, don't be afraid of me. Am I God to judge and punish you? As far as I'm concerned, this is our anchor scripture, Genesis 50, verse 20. I'm reading it, you guys. Stay with me here. As far as I am concerned, God turned into good what you meant for evil. He brought me to the high position I have today so I could save the lives of many people. Let's go back to that. This is our anchor scripture. This is the moment of revelation. As far as I am concerned, God turned into good what you meant for evil. He brought me to this high position I have today so I could save the lives of many people. No, don't be afraid of me. Indeed, I myself will take care of you and your families. And he spoke very kindly to them, even reassuring them. See, I want to go back to verse 20 because, again, our topic on today is a moment of revelation. And remember at the starting point, I said, all it takes is a moment of revelation when you're stuck inside of a difficult situation and that moment of revelation and that revelation needs to be a moment of revelation from God 
inspired by the Holy Spirit, providing you with God's vantage point of an entire situation that you have no understanding of. You could potentially be confused about it. You could potentially be frustrated about it. You could have potentially been seeking God about this situation and felt that he had uh, turned a dumb ear to you. But now God is providing you with revelation on there. Now, the thing about this particular scripture uh, in verse 20, where it says, as far as I'm concerned, God turned into good what you meant for evil. He brought me to this high position today so I could save the lives of many people. We don't know when in Joseph's life he caught this revelation. All we know is that this revelation is documented here in Genesis 50, verse 20. That's where it's printed out for us to read it. However, I don't know. I was thinking about this and pondering this this morning. I was sitting, talking to my daughter about the scriptures. You know how we do when we're in the scriptures and we're eating on the word of God. We want to share it with somebody else so we can get their perspective on it. Paul, Apostle Paul said that we ought to reason about this thing because how many of you know that when we reason and we come into that agreement with somebody, Someone else, God can pour out more revelatory knowledge when he comes to the word of God. That's the awesome thing about God. That's why he tells us to do not forsake the gathering of the brethren, because there's something that happens when you gather together with your brother that just can't happen when you by yourself. And I'm a strong believer of that, even when I'm dealing in my word. Now, there's still times, you know, that there's there God wants to spend that intimate time with just me and giving me some revelatory knowledge. But then there's a time where he's providing knowledge and he's pouring manna from heaven and he's wanting me to be able to reason alongside my brother or my sister to be able to take this word and to be able to pull the meat from the bone and to figure out what is God really trying to say in this hour, in this moment for his people. Now, you know, I love y'all. You know, I love you with the love of the Lord. And I want to make sure that I get you a rima word, an on-time word. I'm not trying to give you some old manna that spoil. I'm trying to give you a word that's going to change your life on today. I'm trying to give you a word that when you hit your uh, podcast button, that it was an on-time word that you were stuck in traffic. You were stuck in a difficult situation. And when you cut on this podcast, it began to minister to you. It began to provide you with the principles you needed to move through your day and your week swiftly. And not only that, it began to take root in your spirit where it allowed you to bear much fruit in due season. And not only that, it allowed you to bear fruit that you was able to share with another brother or sister so that you can become fishers of men. Because how many of you know that's really the great commission for us to be able to have full salvation, but not just full salvation to get fat on the word of God, but for us to be able to get the word of God, understand the word of God, rightfully divide the word of God, and to be able to provide that word of God to somebody else to be able to bless them so that they might be a blessing to somebody else. And it's supposed to be that spiral effect that as I bless somebody else and they get the word of God, they go into the word of God and they dissect it and continue to bless somebody else. And as we continue to have that snowball effect, then you steadily allow the light to continue to shine upon the earth, which should in turn bring more positivity rather than negativity on the earth. So where I was saying in Genesis 50 and 20 before I got down that rabbit trail and you know how I do sometimes y'all I get down those rabbit trails because God's so good to us and when I just want you to know that he loves you and he wants to bless you I was talking about you getting a rimmer 
word through Joseph's situation. Now, Joseph had dealt with uh, being sold into slavery at the start of the uh, story many chapters back. That's why Joseph's brothers are at this uh, crossroads or this intersection of saying, you know what? Our father has died. He's gone off the scene. So there's nothing else shielding Joseph from actually giving us what they would deem that was rightfully theirs. Because how many of you know the wages of sin is death? The wages of sin is death. We've all fall short of the glory of God. And this is what they didn't understand that Joseph understood. And this is why I like Joseph and the attributes of Joseph and the character of Joseph so much. Joseph had rose to a high position after he had gone through so many things. He has been sold into slavery. So now look, he's been separated out from his family. He suffered from being lonely, abandoned, shortchanged from his brother's neglected and now he's getting uh singled out from Potiphar's wife so he had to deal with running from the spirit of lust the word of God said that we should resist the devil and he should flee so he's technically having to resist the spirit of lust from Potiphar's wife but even when he resisted it runs out of the house from Potiphar's wife she uh he runs out where his shirt is still left she acts like he tried to rape her so he still has to deal with the extra residuals of somebody accusing him how many of you know that the enemy is the accuser of the brethren how many of you know that don't think it not strange when these fiery darts come your way apostle paul said that think it not strange when these fiery darts come your way the lord said that he is going to comfort you in these difficult situations but he never said he was going to not put you in a difficult situation see potiphar's wife had accused joseph of something that he did not do and i and, I, and this is for somebody i'm gonna stop for a minute i'm actually i'm gonna put the put it on pause right here for that person that might be accused of something that they didn't do that person that might be on the job and people are taking advantage of you and posing you in a light that you're not in oh i've been there so i can minister this thing the, the people are painting you in a light that you know that you're not in that they are uh working to make sure that you're always misunderstood I'm talking to you on today. I'm telling you, you continue to grow where you planted. You keep your eye on the prize and God is going to vindicate you. He's going to vindicate you. The word of God says that he will vindicate you. Your history will vindicate you. Okay, so Jasmine, what does that mean? What does that really mean? Because right now I'm going through a difficult time and I really don't know if I'm going to make it. I just want to leave this job. I'm going to tell you to stop for a moment. I'm going to tell you to pause and shift your energy to the one and only true loving God. Ask God, what does he want you to do in this situation before you get to moving things and working in your own strength? Because sometimes God desires for us to be in the press. He wants us to be in a difficult situation so that our lights can shine unto men. Not only that, sometimes he needs to take us through a difficult situation so that he can vindicate you with your history. So what happens when he vindicates you with your history, people will go back when you're long and gone and he shifted you out of that place. They will go back and say, you know what? 
I didn't do that person right. Or that person, as much as we mistreated them, they was always nice to me. How many of you know the word of God said when you do kind to those that despitefully use you, it's like reaping hot coals over their head. Oh God, I thank you on today. I thank you on today for that. Let me repeat that for somebody that needs to hear that on today. That might be in traffic, that might be cooking dinner right now, that might be in the shower listening to this podcast, that might be even sitting in a group listening to this podcast. How many of you know that those that despitefully use you, the word of God says that if you do kindly unto them, that it's like reaping hot coals over their head. What that means is when you continue to show the love of God, and this is hard for us sometimes as believers to continue to do right unto someone that's doing harm unto you. Because how many of you know, let's just be honest, when somebody is doing harm unto you, you want to protect yourself. You want to put the wall up. You want to go and put on your uh, battle gear. You want to really, really get your friends and, and saddle up and do all this different things to protect yourself but how many of you know the word of God is very clear in what it says it says the battle's not yours it's the Lord's it says vengeance is mine says the Lord's we have to begin to anchor ourselves in the scriptures David made it perfectly clear at what we should be doing at this point in time when the enemy is despitefully using us he said thy word have I hid it in my heart that I might not sin against you so if you find yourself in a difficult situation and you find yourself constantly trying to seek revenge on someone in the workplace, at home, I don't know where it could potentially be. But if you find yourself where you can't keep your spirit submitted under the word of God, then we got a problem. We don't got enough word in our heart because David said, thy word have I hidden in my heart so that I might not sin against you. See, the word of God is not, if when it's in your heart, it causes you to stop. It, it hearkens you. It stops you. And it says, okay, you sure you want to do that? It says, okay, the principle of God says this. Why are you doing that? See, the word of God is like a, it's like a parable. It'll line up what you're trying to do alongside of what God says should be done. And then you get to be able to look at it side by side and say, okay, what I'm doing don't even line up to what God is saying I should be doing it. This is not even an attribute of God. I need to step back and get out of myself and let God be God. Okay, that was another rabbit trail and I gave that to you for free. But we're going to continue moving through the scripture. How many of you know when you're in a difficult situation and you're facing problems that seem impossible to solve, God doesn't always change the circumstance immediately. I want to say that when you in a situation that seems impossible to solve, God doesn't always immediately change the situation. And I know, I know right now you're like, you know what? I'm done. I'm cutting the podcast off right now. I'm not listening to her no more because I thought I was coming on here. She was going to decree and declare for me. She's a prophet that she can, she's going to stop this thing from right now. I'm, I'm, I'm going to tell you, you need to eat the whole scroll. You got to eat the whole word of God. Some situations he might deliver you from immediately in some situations he might because some situations he's pressing so that he can build perseverance and produce a certain type of trait in you how many of you know that the word of god is clear when it says some things come to build character hope perseverance and tenacity in us because some of us lack character character some of us got a whole lot of talent in a little bit of character and god is saying you know what daughter you know what, son? I'm bringing your character 
up to your talent so that when you find yourself, because your talent will put you before great men, that you won't fall short because your character has got you acting a clown and out the box. See, uh, this is what I love about God, because there's many times in my life where my talent and my gift has made way for me. And now I find myself in front of uh, a situation or in front of great men. But now it needs consistency and those certain things that's needed in my character that's causing me to fall short. And God has to now say, Jasmine, I got to pull you out of this for sake of embarrassment to grow your character to meet this gifting that I've given you. So don't get it twisted. Just because you gifted don't mean that your character matches your gifting. And God might have to take some time to develop that. Now, back to uh, Potiphar's wife moving on to the cupbearer neglect. Now, I was talking about uh, facing difficult situations and how God will not always immediately take you out. Sometimes he will. Sometimes he won't. There's multiple stories and templates in the Bible that show us when God didn't immediately take people out of a situation. The first thing that shatters in my mind right now that's ringing around is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They found themselves in a fiery furnace. Okay, okay, stop. Who wants to be in a fiery furnace? Who wants to be in a fiery furnace? I'm sure when they was in front of the furnace, leading up to the furnace, the night before the furnace, they're all in the room talking about the furnace, talking about they're going to put us in. Imagine the anticipation in your heart. I could only think about that. I remember being a little girl and I had anticipation in my heart when I was going to get disciplined. But to be getting ready to get thrown in a fiery furnace and they say that they lift the furnace up 10 times as hot as it would normally be. So I could imagine they can feel the heat coming out of the furnace as they're being led to the furnace. So imagine the anticipation that they had at any point in time. They could have begun to uh, get faulty in their character at any point in time. They could have begun to doubt God. I, I'm going to be the first to tell you there's been times where the God has put the heat on me. And put the press on me and the crushing on me and my character, it just fell completely apart, completely apart. And I look back on it when God pulled me out of that thing and I'll say, dang, my character really was uh, out of the box. I need a lot of work on that. And then sure enough, God will bring me back to that situation and I'm able to bring that revelation surface back up in my spirit and I'm able to walk through it with more grace, trusting God. And, and like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, they find themselves inside of a fiery furnace. And for those of you who are my new viewers or, or those of you who um, may not know who Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego are, those are three Hebrew boys who, uh, find themselves in the fiery furnace. It's a story that's inside of the Bible. So if you get an opportunity, that's the story of the fiery furnace. You can type it, you can Google it because everything's on Google and you can read it. And then I would uh, remind you to open the scripture up in the word of God after you read it, if you search it out on the internet, because I'm a firm believer that you need to like Open up your Bible, look at it and read the scripture in the Bible so God can begin to minister even that much more to you. So I'm not saying that he can't minister to you on the Internet. That's not the way that I'm sending to you. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying just open up your word so that you can read it, um, you know, text for text, line upon line, precept upon precept and get a really detailed understanding of the story. 
Now, those uh, three individuals found themselves being thrown in the fire. Now, remember I said it was burned, it was turned up 10 times as hot than what it was normally uh, brewing at, basically. So I could imagine as they're walking to the furnace, they can feel the heat and the anticipation is there. They still didn't change in their character. So they knew that they knew that they knew that they knew that they was all in and at some point in time in your life when you go through these difficult situations the ones that seem impossible remember i said these impossible situations sometimes god might pull you out immediately and sometimes he may leave you in there for a while but whatever god decides to do you have to be able to take the stance of knowing who god is and his power and might in it and rest on that my previous podcast told you to just rest your a thought process on God's reputation. See, let me build that framework for you for a minute. We know God's reputation. It's what? It's faultless. It's faultless. And then when we build that framework, if you lay that framework upon your friend's reputation, your cousin's reputation, your parents' reputation, your husband's reputation, your wife's reputation, your co-worker's reputation, your boss's reputation, your pastor's reputation, Anybody that you deem is super great, trust me, their reputation cannot touch God's reputation because his reputation is faultless. When we look at his reputation, that's what they begin to hinge their thought process on when they're getting ready to get thrown in the fire. And you know how I know that? It's not because I made it up. It's not because somebody told me. It's because the word of God tells me that this is the statement that they make when they get ready to get thrown in the furnace. They get ready to get thrown in the furnace. And this is what they said. They said, whether our God delivers us or not. So whether he delivers us or not. Remember, I said in an, in an impossible situation, God can decide to take you out of it or leave you in it. They said, whether he pulls us out of this furnace or not. He's able to do it and left it there. Close the book on it. And that's what I need you to know on today. Because some of us only anchor on the fact that he has to bring us out. And if he don't bring us out, then all of a sudden we throw our God, our God card in. I said it. I said it. We throw our God card in. Okay. He ain't God no more because he didn't heal me today. He ain't God no more because he didn't bring me out of this difficult situation. He ain't God no more because he didn't heal my marriage and now I'm divorced. He's still God. He's still high and lifted up, been there for years and still going to be there. You know how I know? Because he's the alpha and the omega. He's the author and finisher of my faith. He's the beginning and the end. He's going to be there no matter what. He says when everything passes away, the word is going to be there. He's going to be there. So at some point in time, you have to grab hold of that thing through revelation knowledge and accept the fact that he's going to be there. He's not going anywhere and accept the fact that he knows what's best for you and you don't know what's best for yourself. Okay, Jasmine, how do you know that? Because Jeremiah 29 and 11, yep, I said it. I said it on the last podcast and the last podcast before that and the last podcast before that. Jeremiah 29 and 11 is clear to us. It paints the picture on a clean canvas. It tells us that God knows the plans that he has for us is to prosper us, is not to hurt us or hinder us. I want to make sure you understand that. It's not to hurt you, harm you, hinder you, set you back, keep you from getting what you want. It's to help you to have a hope and a future. God is saying that I love you. 
uh, daughter. I love you, son. And I'm not doing this to hurt you. I'm doing this because father knows what's best. And I want you to have a hope in the future. But let's go right back to Joseph. Now, Joseph brothers are at the at the point of feeling guilty for what they did. The father is off the scene and they have met their situation head on. They send a letter to Joseph saying, hey, we'll be your slaves. We'll be your slaves. And, and Joseph has gotten to a place where he's saying, okay, wait a minute. Y'all got this all confused. Y'all don't really know who I am. And I understand it. I understand it because y'all sold me into slavery. So I understand who, that y'all don't understand who I am. But you know what gets me? Remember I said the, the earlier in the conversation, I wanted y'all to anchor on the scripture that said, when Joseph received the message, he broke down and wept. He broke down and wept because they didn't know who he was. He broke down and wept because he's thinking to himself like, I told my father that I wasn't going, that I had forgiven y'all. And I would venture to believe he probably had already told his brothers he had forgiven them as well, too. I would venture to say that, that he probably had an intimate conversation with his brothers after they discovered that Joseph was still alive. And he told them that he forgave them. But they are having an internal conflict within themselves that they don't believe that Joseph's going to be a man of his word. And the reason they don't believe that is because they haven't settled within themselves and they haven't forgiven themselves for what they did to Joseph. Joseph has already forgiven them. Joseph has freed himself of the issue. Joseph has already moved forward. This is how I know Joseph has already moved forward because God continued to elevate him after he was sold into slavery, had the situation with Potiphar's wife. Then he had another situation with the cupbearer who said that he was going to help Joseph get out of jail. If Joseph could tell him the meaning of the dream, the cupbearer did what? Left Joseph in jail. How many of you know that people are fickle? They will say, I'm going to come back and help you, you know, hook me up, you know, take care of me and I'm going to take care of you. And then as soon as you take care of them, they ain't nowhere to be found. They missing in action. They GPS silent or GPS black. You can't even find them no more. They blocked you on their phone. They silent. They don't want to talk to you no more. They just going and doing and living their own life. This is what happened with the cupbearer. The cupbearer said, if you can tell me the uh, the meaning of this dream, blase, blase, and promise all these uh, end statements. And what ended up happening is not that. In short, that's not what happened. The cupbearer never came back. And guess what happened? Joseph found himself himself still in jail. So I could imagine Joseph was upset about that. Joseph was hurt about that. I would have been hurt about that. I helped you out and you didn't even think about me. Not even two cents. You didn't think about me after I did all that help. Joseph's now left in jail. Think about that. This is why my next thing to you is to tell you, Joseph learned how to grow where he was planted. He continued to grow in jail while all these things were happening to him. And then what? He goes through seven years of famine. He still continued to grow to rise to what? The highest position. Because in verse 20, he says, as far as I'm concerned, God turned into good what you meant for evil he brought me to this high position i have today he gives all glory to god 
He gives all glory to God. He says he brought me to this high position that I am today, which means he grow where he was planted. He didn't sit and uh, play the victim and, and call everybody and try to say, this happened to me. Woe is me. They threw me in jail. They left me in jail. The famine happened, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And paint the picture in this viewpoint of uh, please uh, jump on my victim story. He accepted for what it was, grew where he was planted, and rose to the high position that he has today. And he recognized that all of this happened so I could save a bunch of people. It had nothing to do with you, brothers. So quit being sad. This is why Joseph tells them when they say, hey, they'll be his slaves. He, and he says, don't be afraid of me. He's weeping. He's like, don't be afraid of me. Am I a God to judge you? He basically takes the stance of humility. And this is what I need you to get before we get ready to close this thing. As uh, this situation that you may have been going through or situation that uh, God decides to say, okay, now I'm going to give you the, the moment of revelation and you're going to understand why all of that happened to you. Why you had a difficult childhood, why it was uh, hard for you to progress through college, why you had the divorce, why you had the abortion, why you had et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And he gives you that moment of revelation. That's not the time for you to act out. That's not the time for you to have character flaws. That's the time for us to see that your character now matches your gift. Because at this point in time, Joseph's character has matured because he recognized that, look, I'm sad that you would think that my heart is so cruel that I would do something so vicious to you. I told you that I forgave you. I forgave you. Not only that, you've taken the wrong stance of me. I'm not a God. I can't judge or punish you. I'm not even that type of person. Then he says, better yet, let me give you revelation on what really happened. As far as I'm concerned, God turned into good what you meant for evil. He brought me to this position that I have today so I could save lives. No, don't be afraid. So he helps them to relinquish that yoke off their back. Don't be afraid. Indeed, I myself will take care of you and your family. So look, this is what I like about this. This is when you know your character has come full circle. When you can do and bless the person that despitefully used you. When they despitefully used you, did things to you that didn't help you progress, that they was working against you the whole time, but you can look at all that and recognize, you know what? God is still God. God had his hand in all this to, to be a blessing unto me because I understand the real revelation of Jeremiah 29 and 11. And you know what? At this point in time, God has did this to me so that I can be a blessing unto you. That's where Joseph is at right now in his life. His character has come full circle. And I'm praying on today that you don't lose heart and you don't lose focus in your situation if it looks impossible. And that God hasn't delivered you out of it immediately. That you understand that certain things that God is doing that he's trying to produce and expect it in. And we have to learn to trust him in it because when we learn to trust Trust God in it and we learn to be patient, then we can see the blessing that God can do in our lives. How many of you know that when we learn to be patient, because that's a fruit of the spirit in Galatians 5 and 22, it's a fruit of the spirit. If we have patience, it's evidence that God is doing a work in our lives. That's the evidence that the Holy Spirit is operating to see that patient come to fruition in our lives. And that's what happened in Joseph's life. He was able to say, you know what? This moment of revelation 
shows me that from God's vantage point, he was never trying to hurt me. From God's vantage point, he was trying to bless me so I can be a blessing unto his people. So I'm going to close there. I want you guys to, to, to meditate on that this week, that certain situations aren't there to harm you, but God will provide you with a moment of revelation that will change your whole entire perspective. And when he gives you that revelation, it is crucial. It is crucial for you to come full circle in your character and, and as to how you're going to handle that revelation. And Joseph is the perfect template on how we should handle that revelation. That's not the time for you to act out and, and, and now you are invoking judgment on people. That's the time that you step back and you say what? You know what? Don't feel bad about that. God has a plan for me and he has a plan for you. And how can I be a blessing to you? Because nobody makes a heaven or hell for you. They don't get that kind of power here on earth. The person we should be scared of or not even scared. I take that back. The person that we should be in awe of and, 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 and worried about pleasing is God. And I'm going to leave it there. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you for this awesome podcast on today. I thank you for each and every person that under the sound of my voice and that you will begin to go into their dry places. You will begin to allow them to no longer thirst for the living water, that the living water will begin to quench their thirst. But not only that, as it quenches their thirst, God, that it will begin to bubble up in their belly, God. You said out of our belly shall come living water, God, and that it begin to purify them. As they begin to get into their word, God, and uh, get into these scriptures, that it begin to uh, wash away all the residue of life, all the situations of life. God, I decree and declare that they will have spirits that are pure and that they will be able to worship you in spirit and in true God. I decree and declare that there will be a spiritual cleansing right now in the name of Jesus, God. I come against the spirit of contamination, God, through watching too many movies, through coming in contact with contaminated objects, contaminated people, contaminated uh, situations, conflict, misunderstanding, arguments, uh, confrontation, confusion, all those things that could potentially cause us to be separate from you, God. On today, I decree and declare that they will become into right standing with you, that they will trust you, that they will know that you are high and lifted up, that you're in full control of the situation, God. I decree and declare that they will understand that all authority is appointed by God and that they're not just some random person getting tossed to and fro, that you're in full control of the whole entire spectrum of their life, that you orchestrated from the very beginning, like Jeremiah said that you knew all the hairs on his head before he was yet in his mother's womb. You knew him. And by they were yet in their mother's womb, you knew each and every one of my listeners. You had a plan ordained for their lives. And that they, if they have not come into the full knowledge of Christ, that they still can come into the full knowledge of Christ. And for those that may not believe on today, this is an opportunity for you to step into the full knowledge and revelation of who God is. Uh, we can pray the sinner's prayer right now in the name of Jesus. For those who don't believe, all you have to do is say that you believe that God died on the cross for you and that he rose on the third day and that he is the son of Christ and he forgives you for your sins and you accept salvation freely in your life. It's not something that you have to pay for. It's not something that you have to do anything for. He pardons your sins freely when you open your heart to accept him. You repent, turn from your evil ways and acknowledge him and he will direct your path. And that's all you have to do. And we say, 
Thank you, God. We praise you on today. And I ask that you continue to bless all my listeners as they go throughout this week. Allow the scriptures to bring courage to them, God. Allow them to meditate on them and allow these seeds to germinate in their soul and to bring fruit in due season. And we love you with the love of the Lord. And until next time, be blessed, be blessed and be blessed.